Two trucks having sex. Two trucks having sex. My muscles, my muscles involuntarily flex. Two trucks having sex. Two trucks having sex. My muscles, my muscles involuntarily flex. Two pickup trucks. Listen up, Auto Thoughts and Decepticlowns. You are listening to Prime Cuts, a nonlinear history of the Transformers franchise on television. I'm one of your hosts, Nero. I'm your other host, Audrey. And this week, we're joined by a guest. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Ruby. Uh, I'm. I'm I, how much do I say about myself, actually? I don't, I don't really know. I don't remember how much I'm supposed to say at the start of a podcast. As much or as little as you want. Shit. You're really leaving the ball in my cart. This is the this is the biggest possible challenge for me. Welcome, honestly. welcome to guesting on Prime Cuts. Oh shit! Here's your first test. challenge. This is a test oh, of your podcasting abilities. This has been a ruse all along. The test. I guess we'll be eliminated every season. <laughs> oh shit! No, <laughs> I can't go like this. Just tell us about your. Uh, I guess tell us about your podcast a little bit. Or the the question that we always ask as well. That's true. You can you can, I say plug your stuff at the end. uh, But the question that uh, I like to start with is, what is your experience with the Transformers franchise? Okay, so I got into Transformers like kind of late in my life. I feel like in comparison to a lot of people who watched stuff when they were kids, because I didn't really do any of that. Like, I caught the first Michael Bay movie when I was in high school or whatever. But like, oh thank God, I didn't really stick with it. Um, Happy 15th anniversary, Transformers 2007. Sorry, when you said high school, that's such a relief. I can't tell you, the the, years between Nero and I really, really become quite critical when we talk about our histories. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think I watched it when it came out, but I remember being in high school when I watched it. Like, I don't remember the time frame on that. (laughs) I was about to say, I'm pretty sure you and I are roughly the same age, Ruby. Oh, well. I'm like like a year or two older than Nero, I think. I'm not sure, really. Mm, Okay, well. You know, I, I was, like, passively aware of Transformers for a while, and then, like, I, I was in college, and I'm the sort of person who just sort of, like, every once in a while decides I'm going to get very expansively into something. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get into, I'm going to get into Transformers now. You know, I picked up the idea of DW Comics, starting with, like, All Hell Megatron, because I, like, mm-hmm. learned enough about the Simon yeah. Furman stuff that I realized I didn't, I didn't want to go back that far. <laughs> um, Fair. You know, I figured I should also, like, watch a few of the shows. So, you know, I, I watched Animated, I watched Prime, I, like, started on Beast Wars and kind of, like, got sidetracked because a whole bunch of stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Ruby, um, it is so nice for you, I must imagine, that you can decide when you get uh, really wildly into things where eyes just get hit by a truck unexpectedly every time it happens. Yeah, you know, I, I, I had a few years of being like really into Transformers and like a bunch of stuff happened where like, you know, the Hasbro universe hit the IDW stuff and I mm. fell off of every book but Lost Light and, uh, you know... The, the Robots in Disguise cartoon from 2015 wasn't really doing anything for me. So, like, I, I, I've been, like, on pretty passive terms with Transformers for a while. But, like, you know, Nero started this podcast. I'm like, okay, I, I think it's time to get back into it a little bit. So, here I am. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, the, like, w- whenever the uh, other books other than Lost Light started to get invaded by, like, oh, shit, here comes Rom the Space Knight. I'm like, what? Who? What are you talking about? Who's Rom, Mask? Whose mask? Skywarp is on G.I. Joe now, which I do admit is very funny. But it's just like, it got out of hand really quickly. And I think they realized that because they fucking had Unicron come in and destroy a bunch of shit at the end there and rebooted it. I only care about Rom when he's hanging out with the X-Men. When he's hanging out with the Transformers, it's just a bridge too far for me. (laughs) Yeah, and man, Rid 2015, 
it's not good. I mean, it's probably, it's, okay, that's unfair. It's fine. It is definitely the exact opposite of Prime in pretty much every way. Like, I had been in the practice, like, okay, I'm going to pick out, like, what are generally regarded to be, like, the best shows to watch. And then just going, like, the one that was airing that was, like, serviceable. Well, it was kind of, like, a, a steep, uh, a steep climb task for me. Yeah, like, that's also when I fell off of Transformers on television. Like, I watched the first, like, three episodes of Robots in the Sky, so I was like, is this really, is this really what we're doing now? Okay, well, that's fine. I'll, I'll be over here. Um, and I didn't watch Cyberverse because I kind of thought from all appearances that it was going to just be a similar thing to Rid. But from what I hear, Cyberverse is actually uh, quite a bit cooler than uh, than Rid ever got to be. It fucks. So, I'm, I'm a, a, a big fan of Cyberverse. It's not as good as Prime in my opinion, but it's uh, um, I think I think I like it more than animated, actually. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm to... pretty excited to get around Cyberverse whenever like you all get around Cyberverse, you know. Yeah, there's I am also like, looking forward to it. There's just like buck wild again, not to have two interests, but um, Cyberverse is sort of like the uh, GX of Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, because <laughs> okay, that's a strong pitch. Because it like starts off so goofy and then straight up genocide happens. Like oh, mass, man. there's like a mass cult suicide. <laughs> You love it when you get it. Sometimes those just those just sneak in there. It just keeps happening. Yeah. So that is that. That's how I would pitch it. Um. Uh. Yeah. I well, well, we will certainly be getting there. But we're not here to talk about Cyberverse. We're here to talk about Prime, specifically Transformers Prime episodes twenty and twenty-one. Uh, some good ones this week, starting with Partners. You know, what, you know what I like about this one? Starscream is very pathetic in it. That, I do like that. I also like no humans in this one. And granted, the humans in Prime are generally a lot better than most of their, like, counterparts in other shows, right? Like, comparing them to the humans in Armada oh, yeah. is is no I contest. Think, I think these guys are, in my opinion, I like Suri. But I think these this set is... Um, like hands down the best crafted and most well developed uh set of human sidekicks that we get in yeah any series except and also again. because sorry sort of goes in a really different direction when it uh comes to a human sidekick which i will not elaborate on but right it, yes it, yes there's a lot there's a lot that's involved with her uh <laughs> but uh except for i mean yeah, except I, for astoria the most oh, well-developed uh, human character in, uh, in the Transformers <laughs> series ever. <laughs> I, she, really, I, she just wanted to fuck that plane, and you know what? I I can't wait till we get to G1 and people find out how little Astoria actually matters, because I keep bringing her up. But what can one, I say, girl? Just a bit part in one episode. Yeah. What an episode. One episode, but whatever. She's, she's a girl after my own heart. <laughs> I was really surprised, like, when I was watching these episodes, because, you know, I, I was catching up on the podcast, and I heard, like, every week you're talking about the humans, and there's, like, one human across both of our episodes this week, Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Jack and Raph don't really show up at all. Yeah, I feel like one one thing they they are, like, really good about is they know when to, when to deploy the humans and also in what capacity and which ones. Like, not every episode 
has to have all three of them. We've had several episodes where it's just Jack doing something. Um, or just Mika. We haven't had anything where it's just Raph yet, but there are episodes like that in the future, I think. Yeah. But speaking of Starscream being pathetic, we kind of start out here, the, the episode here, with him give, basically giving a reality show confessional to Soundwave. Okay, so I, I never watched Endgame, but isn't this literally the exact speech Tony Stark gives in Endgame? I very distinctly remember Endgame trailers with, I've made mistakes, some of them big ones. Yeah, but I love when Tony Stark swears his fealty to Megatron in Avengers Endgame. That's my favorite part. <laughs> it was a real twist, but you know, they, they really are make, expanding that universe. Mr. Yeah, Optimus, no. I don't feel so good. <laughs> I mean, this yeah, this kind of is his little fucking speech at the beginning. Um, I, I just love this because he's like, I, you know... I I have fully accepted my place. I am Megatron's second in command. I am done. I am done with my silly ambitions. Thank you so much for listening, Soundwave. Who you know, you know, Soundwave is immediately making YouTube poops out of that fucking clip. No, I I do want to be very clear that verbatim that is what's that quote. I, yeah. I've made mistakes, uh, not big ones. Um. But some of them significant ones or whatever. Um, yes. But whatever he says, that is how he opens the speech. That is a, that's not just me being like, this has the sort of the same vibe. It's like word for word. It is, it is quite literally word for word. I can't believe Endgame ripped off Transformers Prime. Shameful. Yeah. But Summer yeah. blockbusters is the same. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is, this is so funny because immediately... Uh, after delivering this speech, is like you know, I'm really, I'm really content with my place in the world. I've really, I've really seen the error of my ways. Uh, I, I am at peace. He walks into the bridge, and well, immediately Arachnid and Megatron are like, "Man, that guy fucking sucks, stupid ass." I hate Starscream's ass so fucking bad. <laughs> so I have, a, I have a question. How much of this speech do you think he was like genuinely believing when he was giving it? Oh. It's so hard to tell with Prime Starscream because it's like he is a, the kind of guy who will say whatever in any situation that will get him out on top, right? As we see later in this episode, but like it's, it's hard to imagine how this does that, though. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I think this might be—he is at least trying to mean it. I don't know if he necessarily believes it. Has but convinced he's tr- himself. But. Yeah, but he's like he's like trying to convince yeah. himself. Okay, okay. Yeah. I really get the impression that he thinks he can fake it until he makes it on this one, you know? Yeah, and immediately no, you cannot because Arachnid's like, Yeah, your fucking idiot second in command didn't look at this ship good enough, Lord Megatron. <laughs> yeah, what forget- a fucking asshole. I figure that now that I'm here on the Nemesis, I'm going to engage in the Decepticon national pastime of throwing Starscream under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's how you know Arachnid is a Decepticon to the core, right? Is You know, she she says, oh, I, I'm a free agent. I don't do that authority stuff. But as soon as she's there, it's like, you know what? Actually, I do love to make fun of Starscream. Yeah. Uh, and undermine mine his uh, capability and uh, power. Um, this is, this is, we've had, we've had a lot in this series, but this is like the peak of Willilum Lem hostility. Absolutely. They fucking hate each other so much and I love it. It's beautiful. Cause, and, and so, so the, the setup here is that, uh, 
there is an ancient Septicon transport called the Harbinger that was shot down on Earth, which holds like a special super secret uh, weapon in its cargo hold. A prototype. Uh, a prototype weapon. And apparently, Starscream found the wreck of the Harbinger, decided, eh, there's nothing here, and just left it and didn't even log it in the ship's computer. Okay, so this I thought was actually really interesting because, again, well, we get to it. I, I'll save this actually for the moment um, because we, we get we get to this at a point further down. But yeah, uh, Megatron's like, how could you be so stupid? And Starscream doesn't really get a chance to defend himself. But he's like, listen, I know it didn't get logged. I know where it is. So it's chill. It's fine. Starscream like, was not like a keeping records guy back when he was the boss. It just didn't really matter to him. No, seemingly not. He's just like, ah, eh, whatever. It's just I some think- old fucking ship. I think it's something else, but again, we'll, yeah. we'll get there. Tying I think, into I think these the were like decisions. Tying into the from the previous episode, that Energon mine he failed to mention was you know still active. Um, I think it's even different than that, actually. So yeah, Megatron says, "All right, well, uh, you and Arachnid can go to get it," and both of them are neither of them are really enthused about this, but you know, Megatron says you got to go do it. Um, so I this 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 scene here is the peak of 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 the of said hostility, right? Where they are just snipping at each other, and Starscream is like, you know, I used to be the air commander of a squadron of Energon seekers, right? Like it's a really good sign about how Starscream is feeling about his life in this moment that his go-to for like I'm good is like here's what I was doing several million years ago. Yeah, and Arachnid's like, yeah, sure, bro, whatever. Um. What have you been doing recently? And he's like, well, I killed one of Optimus Prime's greatest warriors. Of course, leaving out the part where he was uh, helpless and restrained when he did that. I mean, he was also the one, you know, responsible for getting him helpless and restrained. That's true. To be fair. Which I think if he, if he, if he gave that uh, tidbit, perhaps Arachnid might have actually respected him a little bit more, all things considered. I mean, um, but- up. Mm. She, she would have if, if he she would have if he if she learned it was RC's partner, right? Or the, maybe the she would kind be of, jealous. Go ahead. The thing me. that kind of gets me about this scene, right, is like when when Starscream reveals that he killed Cliffjumper or whatever. Like, uh, Arachnid responds specifically like, "You killed an Autobot," which makes it sound kind of like Starscream is bragging about his kill count of one. <laughs> yeah, that one was weird because like. So it's it, the there's like a kind of um, lopsided amount of numbers between the Autobots and Decepticons, right? Considering that the Decepticons have these seemingly endless hordes of Vehicon like drones. So my, my secret, uh, my my guilty secret is that I think the Autobots have a ton of Vehicons as well. We just don't see them; they're off-world. Optimus just doesn't like using them. He finds it distasteful. <laughs> He got hit. It was Prowl's idea. <laughs> oh God! It would be, and all of it, it, it. It's Prowl's idea. He made a bunch of like drones, except he would definitely also somehow program them all to feel pain and like have souls. <laughs> it was Prowl's idea, and Jazz went along with it. <laughs> it's like might as but, well, might as well commit some war crimes today. Like obviously, our vehicles are gonna fight harder if they can feel pain, because then they'll be trying to avoid pain. It's just normal. It just makes sense. Prowl demonstrates by flipping one like a table. 
Yep. This is good to move. We uh we did I forgot to mention here, but between the opening scene and them uh getting the harbinger, we do get a, a, a quick scene of RC at Cliff Jumper's grave up on top oh, of yeah. the auto base. Um where she's just, you know, just talking to him and swearing it, swearing vengeance for him as you do. Yeah, it's like, about gonna... as construct. It's about as constructive a conversation as Starscream had with Soundwave. Well, to be fair, he wasn't having a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> he was just talking at him. Yeah, and I think he was aware of that. Yep. He was using yeah. he was using Soundwave as the closest thing to a therapist that this <laughs> that this uh, ship has. Oh, that's dire. That's dire when Soundwave is your therapist. Great listener. Can't Great argue listener. with that. Great listener. Collecting just truly an ungodly amount of blackmail. Listen, Every syllable logged. Listen, knockout, knockout is the head medic of this crew. You think they got HIPAA? You think that's a concern? Definitely not. Boy. So they they get into the Harbinger. And like, Starship's like, you know, as you see, it's all fucking, nothing's here. I, I, there's a reason I didn't log it. And Arachnid's already at the computer. <laughs> Being yeah. like, did you fucking turn it on, dude? So this is the part I wanted to uh, talk about. Where So Arachnid's like, did you sh- sh- search the ship logs? Uh, well, yeah, so Starscream's like, I already thoroughly investigated this. We are wasting our time. And she's like, oh, yeah, and your thorough investigation. Did you check the ship's logs? And I think what happens now really speaks to Starscream's actions um, as a result of his style of leadership, which was so non-confrontational and so much more focused on survival. That's uh, true. Where he says, no, of course not. He looks like at her like she's stupid. And he's like, the Autobots would have been able to trace the signal. Don't turn that on. What are you doing? Um, so I think the fact that he didn't log the um, log the whereabouts of the Harbinger or check the log or do any of these things was about him not being like flighty or whatever, but him making the conscious decision to avoid confrontation with the Autobots as much as possible. Yeah, that, that makes sense, actually. Now that I think about it. And just focus on surviving. And gathering energon. He exactly. was all about getting that energon. So, so yeah, she take. turn she she turns on the ship. Uh and instantly is like, ah, see, here it is. The prototype weapon. It's, um, in, it's in cargo bay B fifty two. Whatever. We're going down to the starship <laughs> Harbinger. Uh... <laughs> so yeah, of course, immediately the Autobots get this signal, right? Like, Ratchet's like, hey. Yeah, Starscream is right. You gotta, give it, you gotta get it to it sometimes, you know? Um, And they're off. Optimus has this weird line to Ratchet's like, sometimes the ancient past has a way of catching up with us. Optimus is like in full on trying to impart morals to anybody mode this episode. <laughs> he really is. It, like, but that one is especially nebulous. Like, bro, what do you, what, what does that mean? <laughs> you get to disappoint Optimus. You get to disappoint Optimus. You get to disappoint Optimus. Hooray! My, my, it is always my dream to disappoint Optimus Prime. Um, so they, they get Starscream and Arachnid are searching the ship when they get to uh, a sheer cliff face, and Scarcoon's like, "Don't you remember, idiot?" 
Har- the Harbinger famously broke in half as it crashed. Well, Idiot. Yeah. Maybe you uh, would have known if you read Wikipedia. Yeah. So, I, and again, I think that speaks because clearly when he came to the Harbinger, he was prepared. Like he did his research. Um, and basically what he says to Arachnid now is that if you did like any meaningful research, you would known you would have known this stuff. Um, yeah. So it, it's not like he came to this unprepared. Like I actually do believe he did a thorough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> check of it he just has did, did it basically completely analog um yeah for sure like, like there's such a great thing throughout the scene where like both of them are like constantly like waiting to get the moment where like they get to go i told you so to the yeah. other one it's like, just back and forth the entire time it's wonderful like he's like so excited for the moment that he's envisioning where he gets to go back to like the ship and like be like hey arachnid fucked up there's actually nothing there it's one big episode of anything you can do i can do better <laughs> And instead of getting that triumphant moment, Arachnid just ties him up and threatens to gut him until unless he t- she tells her where the other half of the ship is. Oh my god. They're like so bad at each other at this moment. They're like desperately trying to not call each other slurs here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he he is like, yeah, you know. You, you can't reclaim you... Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, basically, Starscream eventually folds as as Arachnid's like, "Listen, I will fucking kill you if you don't give, give tell me where the other part of the ship is." Because that's that's the thing about Arachnid you you can't really like play your funny little mind games with her. She'll eventually just get tired of it and try to kill you. <laughs> this is why she doesn't work with people. She's not a people person, unless you count mounting people's heads on her ship as being a people person. Yeah, and, and throughout the episode as well, she, you know, as they confront the Autobots, she's like, yeah, no, this is temporary. I I'm hate just the having con. a good time. I hate the cons. Uh, I came so... out here to have a good time, and I'm honestly feeling so attacked right now. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Yeah, so she, so she just leaves them there, like, all right, I'm going to go uh, get the thing and bring it back to Megatron, then maybe I'll remember to swing by and grab you, if I can remember how to get back. Oh, yeah. One of the things we didn't mention is that when uh, Megatron assigns the two of them to go on this mission, she looks at Starscream and goes, ooh, my own native guide. How how helpful. And as she leaves here, she's like, who knows if I'll be able to make it back without my native guide. Anyway, bye, loser. Yeah, so she walks out and immediately runs into Optimus. Oh God. I-, I love how like casually all of the Autobots are just like strolling through the corners of the ship. Like yeah. they-, they-, they must have heard that Starscream and Rackham were fighting over there, and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna take our time, and maybe we'll have to deal with one Decepticon once we get there." Yeah, they just walk. They just walk in. You like here's a fun drinking game, Ruby. Take a take a shot every time uh, the Autobots just accidentally uh, come across the Decepticons fighting. It happens so much. It happens specifically with Arachnid. Specifically with Arachnid, but like last episode, it was uh, oh, that's right, Megatron and Starscream. Um, it was Arachnid and Breakdown. Like it's just it's it's constant. They they're just they're just always walking in on some kind of Decepticon shenanigans, right? Like even but even if it's not. Uh, like fighting i always i always love the time when they go to find starscream reviving skyquake think that it's megatron and bulkhead goes that's not megatron who's that guy but But yeah yeah. so arachnid runs as she is wont to do um 
And of, she she burrows a hole through the cliff, and the only person small enough to climb after her is, of course, R.C. And um, Optimus is like, "Ho, don't do it!" And then she does it, and Optimus goes, "Oh my god!" Yep. So she and Arachnid have a bit of a fight. Um, it doesn't necessarily go well for R.C. Oh, uh, Starscream still abandoned on the floor in webbing. Oh, by yeah. the way. Yeah, they, they they like they like step over him to pursue Arachnid, and then they kind of turn around and go, "Wait a minute, is that Starscream?" So yeah, Arachnid's about to mess up RC when Optimus runs out to to scare her off, and he 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 you know to say the line, Optimus, it was foolish to engage the enemy on your own, RC. You know better than that. That's what he says. You know better than that. At this point, I'm not sure she does when it comes to Arachnid, which is basically what she says herself. It's like, listen, it's a special case, okay? I appreciate your high expectations of, of me, sir, but I'm going to break them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, then Bulkhead drags Starscream out of the of the cave. And I love this, because he's like, all right, listen. Uh, I will tell you where the other half of the Harbinger is on uh, on one condition. Can I be on here, guys? Aside, the Decepticons fucking suck. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Everyone's like, ha ha ha, good joke. And the Star Team's like, I'm I'm not laughing. Like, not a joke. And RC's like, well. I actually don't do jokes anymore. I'm a changed person. <laughs> I've decided I'm no longer funny. Yeah. I I'm... love this because all of the Autobots huddle in and all of them go, so he's fucking. We can't trust this guy, right? This is very suspicious. Um, but surprisingly, it's our C that goes to bat for, like, we should probably keep him around. Bulkhead's like, we we should just get rid of him, right? Like, we're not, we shouldn't keep him around and, and bring him back to fucking base or whatever. And RC's like, trust? No. Not as far as I can throw him. Ex- exploit? Now that's an option. Yeah. <laughs> and Optimus is like, we, you know, we, we should at least extend the hand to anyone who wants it, right? Like, what are we doing this whole war for if we can't try and heal the rift between our factions? And also, by heal the rift, I mean get information on everything the Decepticons are planning because he's our fucking second in command. <laughs> that is a big bonus. So, um, it, he says, that, like, you know, every Decepticon is worthy of a, of a chance of redemption, Which to which RC responds, yeah, even fucking Arachnid? Right. She says even bot killers, which is, like, another, like, signifier that, like, maybe not that many Decepticons have actually killed an Autobot, if that's, like, a special, like, extremely bad, like, class of Decepticons in her mind. I guess it's, like, I, I wonder if it's, like, if it is a difference between, like military warfare and serial killer sicko shit which sort yeah. of appeared to be our arachnids like like are we talking about oeuvre? an overlord or are we talking about the scavengers here yeah exactly like i there I, I like i feel like maybe you could read it as there is an extra layer of like revulsion and specifically what arachnid does whereas like if megatron chopped a bunch of dudes in half that's just what happens. I think there's also a question about, like, how the war has changed sort of in recent times. Like, this isn't really a war anymore. This is two factions trying to kill each other. But a war needs, like, 
a lot more people than we have going on here. So I think there's a difference than sort of like the idea of like an anonymous battlefield, right? Where you're just sort of killing whatever in a way and what Arachnid does and what, you know, Starscream did with Cliffjumper, which is basically just like intimate murder. Yes, that's true. Yeah, all right. The, uh, the everything is so spread out now and like the numbers are so much lower. I mean, we saw how many fucking corpses are on Cybertron thanks right. to uh, Megatron zombie army. So I think those are probably like there is there is a difference in level of like intimacy and also yeah. in terms of like. Well, it, it's mostly intimacy, but like there is a personal aspect to what like Arachnid does and what Starscream did that I think is different than what you get during war in general and specifically rc just fucking hates her <laughs> and specifically rc just just fucking hates her yes so they arrive at the at the site of the second half of the harbinger's wreck and immediately optimus is like all right uh rc you're on starscream babysitting duty you are not coming along on this one you whenever arachnid around you act is around you act up and i don't want to deal with that yeah, you hang out here with this person who definitely didn't kill one of your partners. It'll go really well. Mm-hmm. By the way, I love that he has handcuffs around his wings. It's so good. Like, he, they have they have in handcuffs, and they also have his wings, like, in a bigger hand. It's like a big handcuff. Yeah, listen. You gotta clip those wings. So, Prime, uh, Balkan, and Bumblebee head out to the second half of the, of the Harbinger's Wreck. And... Uh, basically immediately Arachnid pops out and uses the prototype weapon to uh, immobilize Bulkhead because what the, the Harbinger was transporting is the immobilizer, which is a fucking callback to a G1 episode. It's also, I imagine, very convenient for the animators. Yes, where you can just hit pause on all those models. <laughs> um, the immobilizer was originally invented by Wheeljack, and as often happened on that show... Uh, it went very badly. It nearly got everyone killed. Yeah. But this time it's a Decepticon weapon. And Bulkhead gets got with it immediately. Um, and uh, B and Prime have to take cover here. So, at first, you know, at first, RC and Starscream are actually kind of bonding over their mutual hatred of Arachnid. Which is wonderful. This scene is so beautiful. Like, I love how immediately willing R.C. is to, like, drop all of her, like, preconceived notions. Just, like, engage in the good-natured, like, hating of somebody else. It's Yep. It, it really speaks to, you know, the, the potential to, like, you know, overcome the difference between Autobots and Septicons. If they just find one guy they all hate really bad, peace is possible. <laughs> yep. Um, and he's just, like, going on and on about, I can't, you know, she's just the worst. She, she is immediate, immediately after she got here, she's fucking worming her way into Megatron's good graces and whispering in her, in his ear and doing everything she can to fucking discredit me. I liked her, ring her skinny bitchy neck. (laughs) Yes. And, and RC's like, yeah, she fucking sucks. She killed my partner. And Starship's like, what? She's taking credit for that too? No, she's like, wait. Yeah, yeah, Starscream's like, I did that. <laughs> Which is, okay, on several levels, an insane thing to say in this conversation, but he just got he just uh, got too caught up in hating Arachnid, he yeah. forgot, oh, wait. Yeah. For a brief moment, I was so caught up in the euphoria of hating Arachnid that I forgot for a brief moment that my past mistakes exist. <laughs> 
and she's like, she's uh, like, you, you weren't were... there. Yeah, so, and he's like, wait, uh, what? Um, wh- wh- yeah, what was, what was his name again? Tailgate. And he's like, wait, who's Tailgate? Yeah, Tailgate. Who are you talking about? Who's Tailgate? And you. Immediately, yeah, she, it's the fucking picture of the cat who's broken the yes! fucking. Who did this? Pots. Like you. <laughs> this is all right. So like, we cut back and forth between the Ottawa's getting zapped with the immobilizer in this scene, but this is the much more interesting scene because our scene's fucking scary in this scene. Yeah, she. Uh, she's like, oh, I'm gonna kill you for real. And Starscream's like, no, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get, he, he like gestures at his hands and like sort of twitches his back to, to gesture at his clamped wings. And he's like, you wouldn't kill a defenseless prisoner. And she's like, no, I wouldn't take the, and throws the key at him. I think I really love about Starscream in the scene is that like, he, he is a person who is not so proud about anything he's done in his life that he will not immediately try to recontextualize it several times over the course mm-hmm. of the conversation, right? Yeah. Because, like, earlier in this episode, he was, like, so proud about having killed Cliffjumper. That was his big, like, thing to brag about. And I was like, um, actually, it was it was just the nicest thing I could have done to him. He was just going to suffer for a while. I, I mercy killed him, basically. It's fine. It, I didn't have any other choices. Uh... Oh, yeah. We also, we I forgot to mention, we do get to re- to see Tailgate and Cliffjumper getting murdered again in this episode. Just to make sure we all remember what happened to those guys. Um, but yeah, she throws the key and I was like, yeah, you're right. Uh, fucking get up. And he's like, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I would rather not, please. I don't want to. <laughs> like, as Balancing. long as you're not going to shoot me while I've got handcuffs on, I'll just keep the handcuffs on if it's all the same to you. Balancing. And then she <laughs> holds them at gunpoint. Valentina, take the mask off. I prefer to keep it, it on. <laughs> it's like she threat. She like points her guns at him. And is like you fuck, fucking take your handcuffs off or I'll kill you. <laughs> and I love that RC's a sicko. Yeah, she's she is definitely the biggest sicko out of all the Autobots for sure. Like, I mean, Bulkhead has definitely done more on screen violence considering he tore that guy's guts out uh, in like episode two or whatever. But RC... It's just not personal to him, you know? Yeah, RC, when it's personal, she is like, I will I will fucking decimate you. I'm just, like, watching stuff. I'm like, oh, she's kind of a bad person. Like, a heart's in my eyes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So We it, love but, mean but, women. But uh, Starscream is just, like, sniveling and crying on the ground. It's like, and so she's like, fine, I'll do it myself. And the instant she gets within range, he just, like snaps into gleeful evil mode and shoves his hand into her guts just like right into her stomach yeah. what a little what a little fucking rat he's he's a little rat man and immediately as soon as he has the upper hand he takes the cuffs off and goes you wanted a fair fight right like you're totally right, Ruby, because this is when he starts, like, mocking her about, yeah, you're fucking weak, just like Cliffjumper was. Well, no, he does the opposite. Yeah. He's like, oh, you're you're harder to offline oh, than your right. partner. That's <laughs> right. I He died in one puncture wound. I guess I'll have to do a few more to you. Yeah, Cliffjumper's actually a huge chump who sucked. <laughs> it was really easy to kill him. I love doing it. <laughs> actually, it's one of my proudest moments. I'd do it again right now if I could. 
Yeah, and he, he is like beating the shit out of her, by the way. Like it is a this is a this is like probably the most brutal fight we've seen in a while. I really appreciate um I really appreciate that um Transformers Prime in particular allows its um female characters to just get slugged. Um yeah. it's especially by like male characters. Like it's one thing to see like Arachnid and RC fighting. Um, but it's another thing entirely to see, like, Starscream beating the shit out of R.C. And, like, in the previous episode, R.C. and Breakdown threw down a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And Arachnid, uh, Arachnid and Break- and uh, Bulkhead. Um, so... So it- he's, not, he's not her type. Right. Well, yes. We, <laughs> we knew. We've been new. Um, I also want to talk about a little bit about the other scene that's going on right now. Because yes. um, we get to a point right around here where... Um, Arachnid manages to use uh, the immobilizer to immobilize Bulkhead first, and then she gets Optimus. So Bumblebee's the only one left. Um, and <laughs> she like she's like taunting Bumblebee, and she's like, so what do you think Megatron's going to do with these two when I bring him back to him? Bulkhead, I bet she's, he's just going to use for target practice. But then she's like, but Optimus... He's the real prize. And then she, like, says homosexually, Hey, Bumblebee, what do you think Megatron's going to do with an Optimus that can't move? He's going to put him on the fucking bow of his warship like a beautiful trophy. It's a weird moment. <laughs> Another thing I love about Arachnid in this scene is that she's just, like, sitting on top of Optimus's, pre- he- Optimus's head for so much of it. She's like, hey, asshole, you feel like William Tell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Um. Like and and she uh, she sort of uh, tricks Bumblebee like she she shoots the rocks behind where Bumblebee is hiding, forcing him to reveal his position and then sort of blasts the resulting dust cloud with the immobilizer. But she also and, gets clocked here. But well, yeah. So what ha- I love what happens here because she she gets she she blasts the immobilizer and it, for, the dust clears and Bumblebee looks frozen in place. So she goes you know she goes to turn back to Optimus and and sort of. You know, think to herself like, "Oh, but you know, I bet, I bet you, little bug, they're just gonna break you down for spare parts." Um, and and walks back over to where Optimus is. At which point, it's revealed that Bumblebee was faking it the whole time, and he's really good at freeze tag. He would do so good in Squid Game. <laughs> and he just fucking he slugs her. her. Yeah, he slugs her. That's like the only word for it. Is like full on right in the face, one hit KO. Yeah, the immobilizer goes flying, and he shoots it apart, and she like flies away because she ain't she ain't about that fight. This whole fighting thing, she likes <laughs> sniping people with immobilizers and and like torturing people. She doesn't like getting in fights unless it's with RC. Yeah. I, I think this whole sequence like speaks really well to the efficiency of Prime because it is so easy to envision like the children's cartoon where. This is the entire episode of, like, okay, the Decepticons have a weapon that immobilizes people. And, like, here it's, like, and it's just kind of, like, a few minutes in the background of all the character drama that's going on here. Yeah, yeah. it's, like, the B-plot of, like, this is where Bumblebee gets to do his fun action stuff. Meanwhile, RC is, like, about to murder Starscream or be murdered by Starscream alternately. Yeah. Which, speaking of, we cut back to the that, and she is, like, on her hands and knees bleeding and and he's he's ready for the killing blow um and he he this is amazing too because he literally falls for the trick he pulled on her yeah listen he's 
not always the smartest. She's like mumbling something. Is like, what's that? I can't hear your last words. And she goes, this is for a cliff jumper. Louder. And then, um, like, the animation here is remarkable. It's great. Um, there's, like, a lot of weight behind all of her movements. She has, like, airtime. Um, her, like, kicks have airtime. Um, it's good. And she beats his ass. Yeah, just just gets him with a nice, quick combo here and knocks him over and, uh, like, deploys the blade and holds it to his neck. And this is perhaps my favorite moment here, um, where <laughs> he's like, oh... Fine, then. Finish me off. I would rather die here than go back to Megatron and be terminated by him. And she's like, okay. And he's like, whoa, 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 hang on. Whoa, whoa, hey, wait. I wasn't wasn't being serious. The extra pathetic always works. Why is this happening? (laughs) Like, it's so good. The only thing that saves him from getting his head chopped off is that she looks up and sees, like, Bumblebee staring at her about to murder someone. She gets hit with the puppy eyes. He looks so sad. Yeah. He's like, no, RC, don't don't commit cold-blooded murder. You'll make me so sad. And so she relents and Starscream stumbles off. Arachnid returns to uh, the the ship, not only without the immobilizer... But Megatron's like, are you fucking kidding me? Starscream got captured and she's like, okay, well, we th- I thought he sucked. And Megatron's like, yeah, he does. He's also my second in command. Like, Arachnid, I know that we always make fun of Starscream together, but like, that's part of the thing, you know? It's important to have Starscream together so we can make fun of him. If it's not, if he's not here, it's just not the same. And also, he knows everything. <laughs> What we're gonna do, and, and like uh, with the clear implication of he knows everything, and there's no way he's not gonna tell them everything. Yeah, I mean, so like the Autobots are gonna have all of our intelligence. It's like kind of yeah, <laughs> all of it. Um, we cut back to the. I love this quick little thing here. Where Ratchet's like, well, good thing I fixed the immobilizer right up and got everyone moving again. Yep. <laughs> anyway, RC's traumatized. Yeah, and uh, she's like, fuck, fuck, Starscream would have been such a good, uh, like, source of information for us. And I almost killed him, and now he's gone forever. And Optimus is like, yeah, you fucked up. He's he's basically (laughs) like, you gotta gotta carry that weight. Yeah, he's like, uh, the the line is, uh, wisdom isn't uh, granted. Wisdom cannot be granted, granted. it It must be earned. Yeah. Yeah. Oops. So, uh, sometimes at Wait. a cost. Yeah. And so our, this is then here comes the best part of the episode. Yeah. The the last episode is Starscream on his own and he's uh, crashing his uh, trapped wings against rock to free them. And he manages to do it. And he's like, I just had a thought. Fuck this. Fuck the Decepticons. Fuck the Autobots. I'm out. I'm a uh, servant to none. Um, allegiance in allegiance to none. Aligned with none. I'm Starscream. I'm my own person. Peace. And I like. And I like that he is sort of. He is thinking of his of his speech from the beginning of the episode to to mega uh, to to Soundwave, but he ends it with yeah I am st- I, I am Starscream aligned with no side servant to no one. And, and listen, off. I will say this to Starscream. He's pathetic, but he does know how to survive. Yeah. 
which is yeah, I mean, you know, more than we can say about a lot of characters in the series. You know, he, he had rock bottom last week, and I'm sure it's all just uphill from him, for, him, <laughs> for him from here on out. You know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to season two where, like, he, he really gets his life together. He has a great time. Uh, you know, maybe make some new friends who are, like, appreciate him more. I, I, I'm really hopeful for Starscream right now. Yeah, listen, Everything's coming up Starscream. Listen, end of season two, that's actually not so far off. It's just a hard path to get there. <laughs> yeah, but uh, funny, you know, sadly, this is the last time Starscream will be appearing in this season. This is this is his exit from the show for now. Um, I'm sure. Pretty good exit. I'm though. sure that the Autobots and Decepticons are the only people they have to worry about. Thank God, there's no third party that we've talked about that is going against both the Autobots and Decepticons. It has been shown to be some like, sort of mysterious crimes man, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> crimes. <laughs> Oh man! Surely, no, no third faction that has been shown to be terrifyingly competent and really good at fighting uh, giant robots. Yeah, it's fine. Doesn't look at breakdowns. Eye patch. It's just, just, it's just, it's just cosmetic. So now we I'm move sure on. I'm sure Tony to Todd also won't show up. I'm sure there won't be any other people who might have beef with Starscream for any other reasons. God, Jesus Christ! Season two is a mess for him. It's Start- so good. I'm so excited. <laughs> so we move on to episode 21, TMI. A little bit, a little bit more lighthearted than this one. Uh, well, actually, you know what? Never mind. It's not really that this, much more. This guy goes dark places. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. So we start here. Miko and Bulkhead are watching some fucking monster truck rallies, and Ratchet's like. That is that is fucking disgusting. That is like you're just, to Ratchet. That's like you're just watching a snuff films on the television <laughs> right now. Yeah, this is great because like I, I love the visual gag where like Bulkhead has to like keep covering his face while he's watching it, and also I love that he responds to Ratchet saying also by being like, "Yeah, it's awesome." Like we're learning <laughs> about the surprisingly populated gore tag on Bulkhead's Tumblr. <laughs> I mean, listen, we saw what he did that Viacon. He's not. He doesn't shy away from it. Uh. So yeah, but Ratchet is is. Uh, like you know, maybe instead of sitting on your ass watching fucking car gore, you could help Optimus. And he's like, ah, he's just going to find some fucking cylinder. He, what could he need my help for? He's going to look. look he's going to look for nerd shit. That's not my area of expertise. I don't care about nerd shit. And so Ratchet's like, all right, let me give you a fucking PowerPoint, idiots. This is a fucking data cylinder. Listen up, cow like, slut. <laughs> <laughs> And he, he fucking projects an image of the data cylinder onto the TV and explains, like, all right, this is a fucking, like, data cylinder from the ancient times of Cybertron. It's full of living data that could c- contain, like, wondrous secrets. So it's not just, quote, unquote, nerd shit. And Bulkhead's like, Bulkhead and Mika are like, yeah, whatever, turn, turn the fucking monster trucks back on. But then Optimus, of course, calls, like, hey, Ratchet, Decepticons, I would, I would uh, like some backup, please. And Bulkhead's like, I can do that. <laughs> Bulkhead backup is my specialty. Now I have to I have to bring something up with Ratchet here. I have to I have to uh, bring something to his attention. Just a little sit down, a little meeting here. So you have Miko on base, right? Mm-hmm. Someone who is well known for um, sneaking out of the ground bridge when it is active and following Bulkhead on various dangerous adventures. Mm-hmm. Have you considered? removing the human scale ground bridge interface that you have i mean listen it was only a couple episodes ago where optimus told miko that what she went through was less than enough it was less than enough yeah i she's a bad learner (laughs) 
is all I'll say because <laughs> guess what? I love it. I love that Ratchet's like, now you know, Miko, I have a very important mission for you too, and hands her a mop. Which is actually okay. So especially like, what is she supposed to mop? It's a gigantic missile silo. Oh, you know, there's anything. There's so much sand in there. Oh. Or clay or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, like so. Just just telling her to basically just telling her to fuck off and don't bother him. But of course, she goes to the ground bridge and almost instantly gets crushed by a Viacon's enormous ass. She like bridges out directly under a dude bulkhead just killed. Listen, if she dies, she dies. That's 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 how she thinks of it as honestly. She's like, you know what? If I die, I die. Get, I gotta get out there and have adventures. Get busy. Miko right. read the a sign saying "Get busy living or get busy dying" and took it to heart. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've got stuff to say about Miko here. Actually, like, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot to write on Miko for because she is very much the person who just goes out and gets into dangerous stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. But the thing I like about her is that, like, you definitely also get the sense that, like, she has this view of Bulkhead as not like an indestructible guy. I think she really like builds the sense of like him as somebody who is also vulnerable so like when he's going out and doing something dangerous you also get the sense that she wants to help right like she doesn't want to be the only like person not risking her life when her best friend is out there doing that and i think that's like a very interesting if misplaced sense of responsibility for her to be intermingling with her like you know just kind of self-destructive thrill-seeking impulses also yeah because I, I, that's right because in the previous episode there's this bit where like when Bulkhead's holding up the cape, he's like, hey, bang on my foot to signal RC with the drill. And she has this line of like, but what if I hurt you? Yeah. She, right, she, yeah. Because like in that episode, like she's watching his like arms like slowly fail as he's trying to hold a bunch of rocks and she doesn't want to make it worse. Yeah. And uh, Ruby, I think you bring up a, a good point that I actually hadn't thought about before, which is that obviously they're not siblings, but um, Jack, Miko, and Raph sort of fall into a sibling-esque relationship and it's clear that you know jack takes his uh role as the oldest one very seriously he's the one with the biggest sense of responsibility um you know he's much more uh straight-laced than than uh certainly miko is and probably more than raf as well um and miko meanwhile jack would never hack the pentagon that's like the big difference what (laughs) jack would never hack the pentagon Uh, right exactly exactly that's illegal (laughs) Um, uh, but I think Miko really has, um, really shows a lot of, um, like middle child syndrome, um, that she, she feels protective for other people, but also doesn't have the same sense of responsibility as like, uh, the older siblings sort of do. So it allows her to sort of like, again, want to protect people wholeheartedly and do so in a way that is not necessarily, um, Smart or effective <laughs> or safe. Right. Like she she shows up on this battlefield and she's immediately like, okay, what can I do here? How can I like help resolve the situation? Right? Like she runs over to the cylinder and like calls up Ratchet to be like, hey, can you can you help me get this thing out of here? Yeah. I can yeah. solve this. I, I do think that she is like, uh, she is a lot more interesting than your average like over eager human companion in this franchise. And this is a prime example of it, right? Yeah. Where like you say, she immediately tries to like, all right, I found the cylinder time to get it out of here while there's a absolute fucking slugfest going on around her there's one bit i really love where um there is like successive family puns that that, uh where so like knockout yes knockout knockout goes for the cylinder he's like come to daddy no and but, oh, wait, well, wait, wait. first, first before before we get there, um, when the, when she does land, I just want to point out. So she almost gets crushed, but she also sees the battlefield, and the first thing you see is Optimus just like 
I, I can't even describe how badly he's beating Knockout's ass. He's like <laughs> he's ripping. got him by the throat. Yeah, he has Knockout by the throat, and he's just punching him in the torso over and over until he eventually sends him flying. This is not Knockout's matchup at all. He's not no. the fighting Optimus guy. It is. <laughs> it is like not. brutal. But yeah, so there's a series of 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 family puns, which starts with um, so uh, Knockout sees the um sees the cylinder the cylinder and goes come to papa and uh not um bulkhead punches him out of the way says run to mommy and then breakdown uh comes to save his husband um and uh you know slugs uh bulkhead and says say uncle yep great stuff no notes and by the way can i just say how nice it is to have Knockout back. He was gone for a little bit. He hadn't showed up uh, for a little while, but I, I, I missed him. Yeah, he has some really killer lines in this episode as well. Oh yeah, this is like where one of the this is like where one of the Knockout lines is from uh, later on. So yeah, she she tries to get Ratchet to bridge the cylinder out, but he can't quite get a fix in her location. So she's trying to push it to where the ground bridge is, um, but. In doing so, she she kind of does a running dropkick at it to try and get it to move, and accidentally like does something to it where it starts whirring and un unlocking and glowing. Uh, this is when Bulkhead actually sees her and like dives for her, thinking the cylinder is about to explode or something. But instead, it just shoots his head full of math. He's got the whole world in his head. The Decepticons grab the cylinder and fly away. Uh, not knowing that they have just grabbed what is basically a paperweight. I, I like uh, when the Decepticons are retreating. Um, bulk, uh, knockout and Breakdown are like they run through this. They, through the, they run through the bridge, right? And there's like a vehicle running after them, and the, the bridge closes before he can get into it. So he's like, "Ah, oh, shit! I'm just gonna fly away now." Yeah, Vehicons don't get ground bridge privileges. <laughs> you have like to survive. To, you know? Yeah, you have to survive at least two weeks before you can go to the ground bridge. <laughs> then you get to do it. Um... So yeah, they, they all go back to base. Bulkhead seems to be fine. But when, when they're back at base, he asks Miko for some paint uh, and starts drawing shit on the walls. And this is this is very funny because this is like, this episode contains like four or five nested uh, Transformers references. So first of all, Bulkhead painting is a big part of his character from Animated. But instead of him like writing down formulas he was actually interested in making art um the formula part of this is clearly a thing taken from revenge of the fallen where sam gets beamed gets knowledge beamed into him by the allspark and also starts painting on the walls at one point and babbling about history who i mean i remind you the 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 executive producers of this show are two of the people who wrote for those movies yeah um and there's a thing where the Decepticons want to chop off Bulkhead's head, a la the Headmaster episode of the original Transformer or uh, of Transformers Animated. So all, all sorts of stuff going here, but yeah. So so Bulkhead is like writing these equations on the walls, and I love I, I love um, Bul- Miko's like, hey Ratchet, come check this shit out. Uh, Bulkhead's painting shit and he's like okay yeah whatever I'd love to see Bulkhead's take on a still life with lug nuts yeah when he gets there he's like wait a minute this isn't art this is science which is better 
finally something I can respect around here. <laughs> so I love New Bulkhead. Yeah, the new bulkhead's great. He he thinks this is about thirty minutes until he realizes the horrible consequences of this. Um, right. So they scan his brain and they're like, "Hey, bulkhead, you've got living data hanging out in your head, um, telling you all this stuff. And by the way, all the stuff you're painting uh, is the formula for synthetic energon, which is like, we believe the it is white." Yeah, they were like Ratchet's thing says this. This looks like it could be synthetic energon, which is like it, it, it. That would be a game changer. The ability to just like make energon would insanely shift the dynamics of the war and allow them to to strike back uh, without any fear of, of losing resources. Uh, the talk about synthetic energon here and like the way they talk about like cylinders as being things that they like launched off into space to prevent the Decepticons from getting when the war started. Like, really, it makes me question how much good that actually did, because, like, sure, it probably would have been bad if the Decepticons learned how to make synthetic energon. However, it's also pretty bad that they spent, like, however many years spreading across the galaxy and just, like, fucking up planets to mine them for energon. So it's like, you know. Yeah, one wonders if it's like, if it was a Great War situation where, ah, we'll be done with this by next summer. And then... I, I also have some some questions about the Cybertronian Golden Age and how their, perceptive, their perceptions of, like, what an enemy is is anybody who isn't a Cybertronian. So the cylinders yeah. just act up with like any non-Cybertronian aliens touch them at all. So some questions there, some stuff to think about. <laughs> a little weird. Uh, I'm sure. Listen, I'm sure there are no weird cyclo- cyclopean like Transformers who accidentally go back in time and invent imperialism. Don't That's ask. Don't ask where Shockwave was. During any various war crime in history. <laughs> Never ask a guy his income, a woman his her age, or shockwave where he was in several points throughout Cybertronian history. <laughs> the answer is in a fursuit. Um, <laughs> so, like, Ow. yeah, the, the, <laughs> it's true. No, it is. No, it is. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, they, 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 they say that, well, the the, the, uh, the defense systems much of, must have been activated when you messed with it, Miko. And she, she is like, oh my god, I did this to Bulkhead? But at first, Bulkhead's like, no, this is great. Like, I just have to get all this stuff out of my head, um, and then we'll win the war. Like, you did amazing. We cut up to the nemesis, and Megatron's like, what the fuck do you mean it's empty? <laughs> it was full when we got there. Um, and they, they say that, like, yeah, it, it, it's, it, these, these things basically operate like batteries. And so it, the, the data is stored as energy and there's no more energy in it. So it might have been transferred to some other receptacle and then knockouts like, didn't it shoot a beam at Bulkhead's face? Huh. And, and knockouts like, huh, do you think? And Megatron's like, I know, get me Bulkhead's head. <laughs> That's not until later. Oh, At no. first, he's just like find. He's just yeah. like find me the the data. He doesn't know. He doesn't seemingly put two and two together quite yet. Um, but this is when we cut back to the auto base where Bulkhead is just racking up. He's like they have these like metal sightings he's painting on basically, and he's using the mop Miko had as a as a paintbrush, which I really like. Uh, and they're just stacking up these these like slates for Ratchet to inscribe. But uh, when, when R.C. brings them over, he's like, well, we've had got some problems. Um, the data is slowly devouring Bulkhead's mind. 
And if we allow it to continue, there will probably be nothing left of him. This episode winds up being really fascinating to me because, like, the big strong guy becomes a smart guy is, like, such a stock cartoon plot. Mm-hmm. And this whole episode, I was, like, waiting for the turn into, like, okay, we learned the lesson about, like, self-acceptance or whatever, right? Like, Bulkhead learns that, like, people valued him before he was a big smart guy. And, like, they, they want him to, like, be around as he was more than they want, like, this information or whatever. But, like, it, isn't, it doesn't really do that. We never really get, like, the moral or anything. It just sort of veers into, like, hey, wouldn't it be fucked up if this happened to your friend? <laughs> yeah, there's no, like... Oh, gee, Bulkhead, you're fine just the way you are. There's like an abject horror of, oh, God, this is a terrible thing that has happened. Yeah, it, it just goes into medical horror, basically. It's like, what if, hey, yeah. what if, hey, what if there is a virus that like rewrote all your brain patterns? Would that be fucked up or what? Yep. Um, Twilight and Zone. So Opt- and so Optimus is like, all right, uh, I've, I'm working on a plan. Don't worry about it. We would need to. Ratchet is basically like, we would. I kind of thought that he was purging the data by doing all this painting. But now I see that actually that's not the case. And in fact, this is only making it worse. Um, So we have to put the data back into the cylinder before it completely eats away at Bulkhead's mind. So Optimus has a plan. Miko, meanwhile, is like, she kind of discovers on her own that this is happening because they don't tell her this. Um, Ratchet says they didn't want to worry her, but like, she's trying to talk to Bulkhead about stuff like, hey, come on, man. All this, yeah, all synthetic energy stuff is pretty cool, but don't you want to, like, hang out and play rock music and stuff? And he's uninterested in all of it. Um, there's a bit where, where he she's talking about, like, hey, remember that remember that time Wheeljack uses only grenade to kill, like, 500 fucking dudes? That was cool as shit, right? And he's like, who? And she's like, Wheeljack, your boyfriend Wheeljack? Who? Who? She's like, oh, my God, he's forgotten about dudes rock. <laughs> Oh shit! It is getting bad. Yeah, she, she. I love that she even pulls up the picture from that episode on her phone. It's like the picture she took of them, uh, of him and Wheeljack in that episode, which is great. But he's like, I don't, I don't know that guy. And she's like, Oh, geez, you know who I am, right? He's like, Yeah, of course I do. You're. And then he gets back to drawing. So this is this is when he she she goes to Ratchet's concerns and where she's like, Oh, you knew, you knew, and you didn't tell me. And he's like, Yeah, I. We were working on it. We have a plan. We just didn't want to like worry you about it. Yeah, you're right. This is this is so much more of a like medical horror angle than the usual sort of uh, brain blast plot, right? Like, yeah, no one wants this to happen. Um, so they they the Decepticons get a signal matching the data cylinder, and at first breakdown and knock it are about to head off. Megatron's like, no. You fucking idiots stay right here. I'm going to go myself. Yeah. It is a ruse. It's like cranky because your second in command is AWOL, aren't you? <laughs> Which is a fact he does not bring up in this episode. Does... Even when he is literally talking to Optimus. But it's like, it, it's so funny because he is like so clearly taking out his anger on everyone else. And they're all so yeah. much more keenly aware of it. Like, Knockout has a line a little bit later on about it. Um about how uh, how dangerous and violent uh, Megatron has become. And it's like cranky because you uh, don't know where your second in command is, aren't you? Yep. So he, he arrives and he finds Optimus RC and Bumblebee waiting for him. He's like, wow, didn't fucking expect you to be here, Optimus. What's going on? He has the cylinder with him and Optimus is like, all right, here's the deal. You give us that cylinder and we will return it to you fully recharged with all the data it contains. And he's like, 
well, or Megatron's like, well, I mean, if you're willing to do that, then what the fuck could possibly be on it? Probably nothing, right? It's like Alchemist Prime's fucking cocktail book or whatever. <laughs> I want that. I, w- I do actually want that. Um, but then he's then he gets a phone call and he's like, hang on a minute, I gotta take this. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta talk to my boys real quick. Yeah. Uh, because what has happened is, guess what? Miko took things into her own hands and, and brought Bulkhead out to the Monster Truck Rally Arena. Which, by the way, I forgot that we forgot to mention at the start of the episode, uh, she said that she went to this with Bulkhead in person at some point in the past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like presumably he just like waited out in the parking lot and she like filmed it on her fo- on her phone for him so she could show it to him when she got, when they got back. Right. It's adorable. That's cute. And she's like trying to like, hey man, remember all the fucking good times we had here? Like. I'm worried about you, and he just doesn't respond, and he keeps painting on the walls. Um, yeah. This is when not and breakdown. Oh, go ahead. I was like, uh, you know, Bulkhead has like been working on the synthetic energon stuff for a while, but like the first thing he did when he got super smart was he invented a mop with infinite paint on it. Yes, he did. Oh, and the way she lures him away is that she like steals his paintbrush and and like lures him through the ground bridge. Once again, Ratchet, you get you, at least when it's only Miko around, you gotta like put the keyboard that controls the ground br- bridge like up somewhere <laughs> put it on top of the shelf um so obviously uh knockout and breakdown identified the the actual data cylinder signal and and, uh, and megatron's like okay well then bring me bulkhead's head uh, i think i really like when megatron gets called here by uh by knockout is like knockout's like hey did you get the thing back and uh and like megatron is like i did not get it back it's complicated Look. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. So, did did you find what you were looking for? It's like, yeah, what the fuck? It's complicated. I love that. Yeah, just those two. Frank Welker biting those two words out. It's complicated. Is right. Like Megatron has gotten like scary and angry and violent, but he's also gotten very petulant. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, he is. Including here, right here. After he says, "Bring me the head of Bulkhead," he turns around. Is like, all right. Yeah, you can have a cylinder gotta fight me for it though and starts a firefight meanwhile knockout and breakdown arrive at the uh at the at the truck rally here or the the arena and there's a weird detail here like this entire plan miku comes up with hinges upon breakdown not knowing what his most hated rival turns into like did he just never look do you think it's, like, a thing with some, like, Cybertronians? Like, you know how uh, some people are, like, face blind? They can't, like, tell the difference between faces? Do you think it's, like, some Cybertronians just can't tell the difference between alt modes? <laughs> They're okay. alt mode blind? There's definitely, like, uh, microaggressions, I would say, from flyers to ground pounders. Where, like, I'm sure true. Starscream's, like, looks at Knockout and Breakdown and is like, yeah, you look exactly the same. And Knockout <laughs> almost claws his eyes out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. This would be an impossible challenge for Starscream. Yeah. He'd be like, well, the, all of these are identical. I, what do you want me to do? But uh, I love this where he's like, so Samiko so is like trying to contact the Autobots and like crawling underneath all of these, all of these um, different monster trucks that Breakdown is like flipping over to look for her. And Knockout's like, forget the human. Uh, games are only worth playing when you're winning. Love it. Which... Tells me a lot about bra- about game nights on the Nemesis. Players only love you when they're playing. And how much he fucking sucks to play anything against. World's biggest, like, I can just imagine him getting so fucking pissy if he loses. 
Knockout has appeared on Scrog Prots several times. All of them are put there by Starscream. Um, but yeah, he, he hacks into Miko's phone to make it like put out a signal and identify where Bulkhead is. And this is where we get the knockout line where Bulkhead transforms. He's, he's continuing his techno babble and he just like paints on Knockout's chest. Yeah. And he goes, you painted my paint job. Prepare for surgery. And then he does, and brings up, does a little transformation on his arm into a handsaw. I like everyone yep. who has the hands that turn into other things. That's fun. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a detail from the first two Bay movies that I quite like. That they just stop doing in the third one. For reasons I don't understand. All of the weapons stopped being built in at that point. Which is funny because that was a big thing in the actual Align continuity-like consideration. They was like, all right. The built-in weapons are like a big aesthetic of current Transformers. So we're going to focus a lot on that in the video game and in the show, and it's going to look great. And then in Dark of the Moon, they were like, ah, they don't do that anymore. Great. Thank- thanks, Michael. <laughs> really, really, really working hard to keep this aligned continuity thing centered and really stretching across those uh, those timelines. Eh? I mean, it's like Orts and Kurtzman as well. They're the yeah, actual writers. That's true. So, and that's more embarrassing for them. Oh man, yeah. I, those presu- presumably they didn't write any much on this show because I have seen, I have personally witnessed much of their writing. It's not, uh, it's not good, much of it at all. Well, there's that third guy, Aaron Kruger, who wrote a lot of the later ones too. Oh yeah, that's right. Anyway, they're gonna chop Bulkhead's fucking head off. Like, they literally just hold him down to the ground and knockouts going into fucking... You, do you remember in a series of unfortunate events when Count Olaf makes up the fake uh, head removal surgery to cut Violet's head off? Knockout is very adept at that surgery. Right. I, for, I forget what it was called. Um, but this is when Miko, like, runs into try. I love that she... I do love that she, like... her Her perception of, like, her ability to help... Is also you know she she was she was like she she was conceiving like what if I hurt Bulkhead if if I hit him with the, in the foot with this rock she was also like I can hurt Knockout if I hit him in the shin with this crowbar. The very least I could distract him from trying to cut Bulkhead's head off. I mean, that's like that's like pretty good too. Yeah, which he, it does distract him. He he like lifts his foot up to not get his paint scratch presumably. Um, and he she accidentally runs into Bulkhead's uh, noggin. Which triggers the cylinder's defense mechanism. And uh, earlier, he shoots. He shoots all his data into the sky. Yeah, and uh, not uh, knockout like shoves breakdown back as it happens, and they both sort of like watch the data go into space, and they're like, "Ah, beans." <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and I I love the line from. Uh, knockout when it's all done where he just looks down at Bulkhead and goes well and again this sort of like shows how, where where Megatron's been at since Starscream went it was since his favorite punching bag went away where Knockout looks down at Breakdown and goes uh, at Bulkhead and goes well Megatron's gonna peel our paint so we're gonna peel you and he he goes for Miko, at which point the Autobots show up. But I also love the line he has where he, he scans Bulkhead after all the lights light show is done. He just goes, dead battery. Yes. Brutal. 
Uh, also, you may be wondering, what happened to the cylinder? Well, all of his vehicons died, so Megatron's like, no one gets to have it, and crushes it. Yeah, real, uh... Just toss it to the side. Real Solomon's <laughs> yep. dilemma solution here, huh? Yeah, fuck you. Kill the Pretty, baby. Because he did, yeah, well, at least he knows that, like, well, I'm going to be getting a, an Autobot head hand-delivered to me with all the data in it, so I don't need this shit. Uh, so he crushes it and throws it aside, yeah. Like a fucking toddler. Like a, like a, a fucking uh, frat bro that just crushed a can. Yep. Um, and they, they bring Bulkhead back, and he's fucking brain dead. Like, he is, he is in a coma. And... Miko is, like, really, really fucked up about it. So she tries... She's like, I'm gonna get him back. And she plugs in her base again. Because what Ratchet says, like, well, it's possible that familiar, like, sights and smells and even sounds could rouse him. Which, one, Autobots can smell. Autobots can smell. Half of them don't have noses. They don't smell through the noses. They smell through oh. the they smell smell through the the not skin but you know just from the outside. I don't want to know. I I I shouldn't ask some questions about transformer physiology. I I wouldn't like some of the answers. But I bet there's someone who there's someone out there who definitely knows where the olfactory sensor is on Autobots. I can find that guy somewhere. It's in the lore bible for the line continuity. You know. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> in, it's, like... it's in the covenant. <laughs> <laughs> and lo, Primus bestowed upon his creations the ability to smell. They can actually good. smell shrimp smells. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> they can smell smells we can't even conceive yeah. of. It's beautiful. But yeah, she she like plays the guitar. Um, it's funny that like she keeps talking about this as though it is a song that they that she plays for for Bulkhead, but it's just like one note basically. Yeah, I was like, I was like, girl, this isn't welcome to the Black Parade. <laughs> like, what do you think you're gonna do with the first note? But uh, turn, turns out I was wrong. He wakes up. There you go. She's, oh, go ahead. She's still introducing Bulkhead to music. She's got to start simple, you know. Which, by the way, I appreciate the callback to uh, Slash Monkey from the previous yeah. episode. I love the uh, I love the heavy metal cover of Row 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 Your Boat. <laughs> Listen, they fucking shredded on hot cross buns. Oh yeah, someone someone get an electric recorder in here. Oh, that's the most evil instrument you could ever invent—an electric recorder. <laughs> we had to fucking subcontract Mech to get our electric recorder made. <laughs> Nobody oh, else could handle it. They definitely have a fucking electric recorder. You actually aren't able to create any sound on it. It just does feedback immediately. Jesus. This is the instrument of the future. Everything else will be rendered obsolete. It does sound like something out of Star Trek, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he, he wakes up and she's happy. But I, I do think that this is like a, a really good, uh, strong episode showcasing their like bond. Because everyone's bond with their Autobots is different. Yeah. And I, I really, really like this episode at this point. Like, it was, uh, it was a nice surprise thing, right? Because I like... Asked to go on this episode because I wanted to see Starscream being a loser, but also, like, I remember I really liked Bulkhead and Miko, and that was, like, a pleasant surprise yeah. for me. Oh, man. There's so many episodes of yeah, like, Starscream being a loser, but this is one of the best ones. Literally throw a dart at the first 95% of season two. <laughs> oh. He's, he has it real bad. But yeah, there's, and there are a lot of, a lot, a lot of episodes also of, like, 
uh, very strong bulkheaded Miko stuff in the future for us as well. Yeah, yeah that, that ends uh, TMI um, for this week. And just, just a very strong pair of episodes as we kind of close in on, on the end of the first season here. Yeah, and we do have some but questions. Man, I'm, I'm looking forward to next week, though. The first episode we have next week let's, is one of my absolute next, favorites. Uh, well, Ratchet invents a certain uh, beverage yeah. and become, you know, it goes through some changes. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. The yeah. The best. And I the forgot world. that was the season. Yeah. I thought it was season two. Okay. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. There's so much. There's so much of the the pops here was like, wait, this is this season. Yeah, I thought it was shit. season two. Okay. Cool. Yeah, we have some fucking questions in the Comlinks channel in our Discord server, which is, of course, in the link in our bio, which you should click on and join. Let's see here. First, from Slipstream Sam, if Starscream had glasses, would that make him more or less of a twink? I think this question is missing the obvious term. If you give Starscream some glasses, that's a whole different seeker. That's true. That's Thundercracker. Um... (laughs) No, I've actually seen um, fan art of uh, Prime Starscream with glasses. I've seen it of um, G1 Starscream as well, um, who comes from a science background, though you wouldn't always know it. Um, Considering how stupid he is. Well, I mean, it's kind of funny. Starscream's kind of like the... uh, In G1, he's much more of like the Decepticon wheeljack than like Shockwave is. That's true. He did build the Combaticons. He builds the Combaticons. He builds, like, a bunch of some of the most stupid inventions, some of which we'll talk about in uh, later uh. questions. In later questions <laughs> that we have this week here. Um, oh, right. But uh, Sam also asks, yeah. what's the most petty revenge? Oh, wait. Oh, I was just going to say uh, that I have seen uh, glasses on uh, Prime Star Scream, and it does make him more of a twink. Can confirm. I think Thank it would, for, yeah. Can confirm. Thank you for your expertise. Yeah. Uh, I think they should put they should put glasses on Soundwave. I would just like to see it. Um, not a monocle. Sorry, Soundwave, not Shockwave. Yeah, yeah, no. Although you know, also also glasses on Shockwave because that would be yeah. even funnier. Uh, Sam also asks, "What is the most petty revenge you've ever taken?" Um, I sued a former employer. Honestly, that's pretty good revenge. Yeah, that's not really petty. I I did win, so. I mean, we, that's even better. We settled, we settled out of court, but um, I got more money than they owed me. Fuck around and found out. There you go. There you go. I would say that is not petty. That is, in fact, very well-deserved. Let's see. Petty revenge. Oh, I, I can't really think of anything that really comes to mind. Yeah. I don't... I'm so non-confrontational. I feel like I've definitely griefed people in Minecraft at some point. But this was during my impetuous youth. Yeah, like, I do. I cannot recall any any specific instances. I mean, like, you know, like back when I played League of Legends, I would like throw a game if somebody was annoying me. But like, yeah, that's not very exciting. I feel like you kind of like, like, you just kind of like beat us all to the punch with like an actual like cool thing you did. And we're all just kind of left here floundering. But uh, but yeah, you like guys it. are more to the point. Like, it's about petty revenge. It it really is about like the the it's the small things. I just yeah, it's like I never really take it. In real life, because, yeah, I also don't really like confrontation or, you know, I, I, I mostly keep to myself for the most part uh, around people at work and whatnot. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to fuck with you. You're not going to fuck with me. We're just going to hang out here. Yeah. And chill. Really back at anything at school. That's probably where yeah, it would have been. Yeah, most of my stuff, I feel like, has probably been at work. But, 
that was that was the most direct revenge I took. <laughs> I definitely considered putting sugar in the gas tank of a teacher I didn't like because he wouldn't shut the fuck up about his motorcycle. But I didn't actually do it. I only considered it. Um, I straight up just refused to forgive a friend in uh, college because I didn't like her apology to me. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's pretty that, that is a little petty. That is pretty petty. To be fair, it was a really bad apology. It was like an... Oh, I believe Yeah, you. it was an apology before she was like... Was it was it the uh, a sort of I I apologize I'm sorry that you were offended type vibe? Worse, actually, it was like Ooh. I'm sorry, but the way you got upset really hurt me. Oh, that! Oh and my I god! Was like, no. And I was like, Worse. I'm just not forgiving you. And like, she was like, I literally looked her in the eye and I was like, I appreciate you coming here to apologize to me, but I gotta tell you, this didn't do anything for me. And there was the just fucking like, reverse apology trap cards. Like, actually, yeah. you hurt me more. Yeah, and I was, just, and she just like looked at me, and I just looked at her, and then she left, and I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> Jesus. Um, Kassarachnid asks, outside of Transformers, what is your favorite Mulamula hostility and solidarity? Oof. Okay. Um, hostility is a harder one. I feel like because there's not a a ton I can think of. I'm trying to think of like good rivalries. Um, I think I will pull. Um, I'll go for a deep cut here. Um, I was I would say that it's Jacoby and Lovelace from Wolf Three Fifty Nine. Wow, it is a deep cut. That's that's a podcast. Right? It is a podcast. It's a podcast I've mentioned on the show before. Uh, when there was another question about what's one of your other, uh like favorite media about space or something. I can't remember that, but it's a, it's a really good podcast. I very highly recommend it. And uh, yeah, they kind of suck. <laughs> oh, uh, solidarity is e- easier though. Um, immediately just because it was like on my mind uh, today, I'm going to say uh, ho- since Homestuck's on my mind right now, I'm going to say Carcat and Terezi. Nice. Oh, I'm, I'm really, I'm really like rifling through some things in my mental Rolodex here. Hmm. I'm trying to pull something from Final Fantasy XIV, but I can't really think of any any anything on either end because there's not a there, whole terrible amount of women. But in there's there. now that you mention it, there's another good hostility: uh, lightning and snow. Oh shit! See, I see. I never played those games, so I wouldn't know. But I, I, I hear lots of good things about it, mostly from lesbians. I follow now, yeah. our way into that. Oh, era. it's it's like explicitly gay. Sorry. Yeah. Um. And some may argue that Snow is straight, but he's not. He is bi. Hey, Ruby, you got anything? I got, I'm like, I'm having that problem where like I came on this podcast talking about Transformers, so I'm forgetting about everything That's I've ever right, heard about that isn't Transformers. I, all I can remember is fine dining and Transformers. Shit. Yeah, I am also having the same problem. Whenever, whenever I, I get into the show, it's like I, 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 I obliterate everything else from my brain. Here's one, here's one for you, Ruby. Eno and Shikamaru. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I can accept this. Is it solidarity or hostility? You decide. Uh, cha- changes depending on the day. <laughs> uh, solidarity. Hmm. I'm also... I'm, I'm just... You know, it's like one of those things when there's a meme going around on Twitter. It's like, name your five favorite characters. I like immediately forget every character I've ever liked. I know. They're just gone. I just like become a fucking like amphibian fresh out of the water, not knowing anything. 
Yeah, no, I, I saw this question like earlier, right? And I've been turning it over my head all day. And like, I'm really looking forward to five minutes after this podcast ends, where, where you'll remember everything. <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna like lay down for sleep. And I'm gonna shoot him. Like, fuck! I just remembered one. Like, I'm, I'm trying to like. Yeah, all right, we're just going to have to move on to this next one uh, for also from Katsurag, who asks, if Miss Frizzle was a Transformer, what would she turn into? Hard mode, no bust. Oh, this is actually very easy for me. Girl, look at look at her uh, look at her dress. She's she's like Cosmos. She goes UFO. I was okay, also well, thinking Cosmos. Yeah, she goes yeah. totally UFO. Although, well, to be fair, she has a different dress in every episode based on the theme. But you're probably thinking of the one from the first episode, which is the, the space one. Yes. And also the I classic I do think a UFO one. is very fitting. Yeah. I do think UFO is very fitting for her, though. Like, or she's or she's a fucking six changer, like six shot. Um, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. At least triple changer. I think there yeah. needs to be at least triple changer. One for land, one for air and space, and one for water. She's like a triple changer, and one of them is a beast mode. Oh, my God. She turns into a dolphin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Yeah, it's it's a UFO and a dolphin. Those are her two alternate modes. Her her oh, name is man. Bottlenose. That they, they, that is beyond any toy engineering of our age. <laughs> Someone the, we will eventually be able to create a. We actually, you know what? UFO and dolphin. I don't think that's so hard. They're both very curvy. A lot of yeah, round. Yeah, they're both edges. very round. Yeah. I think you could. I think you could figure it out. It would just be really hard. As any triple changer is really like. I mean, the 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 more you get into the the like multi changer things, the more alternate modes you slap on there, the harder it is to differentiate them. I love looking at um, Gigatron from Car Robots, who is a twelve changer in his powered up mode, and some of them are just like this. This is nothing. This is this is a hand. So you just half transformed the dragon mode. Is this supposed to be a gun? What the hell is going on here? I'm now a car with a different number of doors. <laughs> oh, shit. Behold my power. Six Shot is similar where it's like th- at least three of his modes are like, these all these are all kind of the same thing. <laughs> like the like the car, the pl- the jet, and the, the panther are like, well, we just kind of fold out different pieces. Um, but the, the, the newer Six Shot toys are obviously like much more distinct because we, we have proper toy engineering rather than what we had in the 80s um following on from the the casarachnid uh questions here we got another one what is your most galaxy brain transformers take it's good actually that's not galaxy brain (laughs) i don't know if i go super galaxy brain like i think i have something that like might be like vaguely controversial but i don't think they're like weird right give me give me Uh, me the vaguely controversial ones give me like okay so mine is that i really like the various like um you know, like, like the parts of Transformers design, they're like, hey, they got like the, the various wheels on them. They got the car doors as part of their like robot modes. But like, I, like, I, like, I like all of those like signifiers that they can turn into cars. But like, I basically don't care that they turn into cars at all. Oh, so like, you, you like seeing the kibble as, as it's yeah. called in the fandom. But like the fact that they can transform is like, yeah, I can take it. I can take it or leave it. Whatever. That is kind of galaxy brain of like the, the main thing that they do is like, yeah, but the, the, the vestigial bits of them that show what they do. Now, that's the cool part. Yeah, I, th- I think there's like some really character flavors of like mech design that show up in Transformers stuff that I really like. Yeah, like my galaxy brain take. I mean, I, I guess it's the see. I I kind of you know what I aspire to be. You know, what I kind of aspire to become. Hmm. I aspire to become a Beast Machines is good guy. Like maybe you will be. 
that's maybe where that's the whole reason I made this podcast is to see if I have the capacity to become actually Beast Machines is good. I'll be rooting for you. <laughs> but maybe it'll just it, it, it's a reputation will in fact be correct and it'll just be you're all gonna come like the other side of this being beast wars 2 stands oh my god if we we cannot even touch the fucking japanese stuff because there's so much of it there's like almost as many japanese exclusive shows as there are televised over here there's so much of it there are was you, an entire all of this? no well partially because some of them are like they're just not really well subbed or documented like in particular i think beast wars neo is very spotty it's never actually received an official english release at all unlike the headmasters but also like i don't know we, we might touch some of the japanese stuff eventually but it's 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 a uh, it's not something we're aiming for right now okay, okay i have i i have a galaxy brain take and i'm gonna get canceled for it it's fine Ooh. um of the uh, phase two of the two phase two ongoings, um, MTMT slash Lost Light was weaker than Robots in Disguise slash the Transformers. Ooh, ooh, yes, yeah, that's, that's kind of that is. I mean, spicy. it's certainly not popular. That is spicy. I thought I think both of them are good, but I think but I prefer um, Robots in Disguise. Is it because Starscream is there? I just think it's more interesting. I. Uh, what I really like about Robots in Disguise is that it's just West Wing with robots. Yeah, I do. I, I I do agree that like I think they are both really good for different reasons. I have always adored the like it is it is a political drama on Cybertron yeah. with all all the stuff that that entails. I think the question Lost Light is the classic. I think trying thing. to address the question of the war's over, what do we do now, is much more interesting to me as an ongoing plot than. The Lost Lights, let's find this ancient sect that doesn't actually exist. Um, yeah. You know? Um, so, Lost Light Lost Light was much more um, episodic. You know what I mean? It had, it had like, yeah. arcs to, like, a lot of mini arcs to it. Um, but the entire point of Lost Light was that they were wandering, essentially. Like the point, the the journey was the point. Um, yeah. Whereas, um, and I just like how much more grounded and like, not to say that the Lost Lights problems weren't real, but like the the entire conceit of what's going on in the Transformers, I think it was much more compelling to me. I've always wanted to go back and read Optimus Prime, the uh, yeah. the solo series that he got towards the end for a similar reason, where it's like, yeah, it's, it's time for fucking like interplanetary politics and shit and grappling with the legacy of imperialism starring Optimus Prime. Right. So And also RC gets a girlfriend. And also RC gets a girlfriend. So yeah, so that that's 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 my hot take. That's my galaxy brain take. Respectable. Uh um yeah. Cass also asks if Starscream had glasses, would it be morally wrong to blast no. him? No. No. It is never Might be it funnier. Is, it might be funnier. Uh, and she also asks, would you hit a guy with glasses? As, yes. as much as I would hit any other yeah. guy, which is pretty unlikely, knowing me in general, but the glasses would not stop me. I guess I kind of sympathize with glasses havers, considering I also have glasses. I know they would be a pain to, like, replace, and... You don't have to hit them in the glasses. Yeah, that's true. But also, <laughs> maybe if I hated them enough, breaking their glasses would be like a bonus. Like, oh, I'm going to inflict so much fucking annoyance on you for this. Like, like you're going to have to fucking deal with this. You're like, 
I, I need a better answer to the pettiest revenge question. So, like, sorry, yeah. this has to happen to you. Like, <laughs> not even just like, not even just like punching, but like just grabbing their glasses off of their face and crushing them, and then just walking away. It's like, yeah, deal with that now. Nothing personal, kid. Exactly. No glasses, not a protective, not an effective barrier against me. That that guy's shtick from that post wouldn't have worked on me. Um, although. What if it was his birthday? Would you hit a little guy with glasses on his birthday? Again. Oh, uh, you can't. I'm sorry, you go. No. Um, I'm 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 as likely to do it as any other time, which is not not uh, not swaying you either direction. Yeah. And yeah. again, that that likelihood is not very, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's one of those things where it's like if I'm in the position of hitting a guy, it is like such a small like additional factor that it doesn't really play into it. Unless that guy is, is Starscream, because then it is funnier to hit him when he's wearing glasses on his birthday. Yes. Like, that. that's just... It, it would have the exact opposite effect. Um, and finally, the best question... I'm sorry, everyone else, you all had great questions. This is the best question <laughs> this week from Dark Aurora Energon. What is the most galaxy brain plan from G1? Where do we even fucking start? Oh, this start? is an easy one for me, baby. It's Autobop. What's your answer? Autobop. Oh my god. (laughs) It's gotta be Autobop. Where they fucking open a nightclub? Yeah. Hey, Starscream and Soundwave do hypnosis on humans through a nightclub. If that doesn't sound like the most galaxy-brained idea that you've ever had, I don't know what to tell you. It's Autobop. A prime problem is also pretty high up there, but it's not as funny as (laughs) Autobop. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. And the fact that they just can't tell the difference between... The, uh, in a prime problem, that's the one where they clone Optimus. Um, yeah, where they make like a remote-controlled drone Optimus. It's like, how do we tell the difference? A test of speed, surely. Let's have a race. Yeah, it's, it's, Let's not ask them anything. Yeah, no, it's... it's uh, yeah. Those, the, My... There's, there's, uh, I do also want to give a little bit of credit to a couple of other two ideas, which I don't think are as funny, but like don't, you don't hear about as much. Um, uh, one of them is Make Tracks, oh, yeah. which is the one where there's a bunch of car thieves, but they're all secretly working with the Decepticons. <laughs> and <laughs> and they end up... And the Decepticons are using all the stolen cars to like, make an army. <laughs> It's so stupid. And Trax gets involved. That's why it's called Make Trax. Um, and then there's another one with gears that I can't remember uh, what's going on with that one. But that, that was pretty silly as well. Um, with, with has like a, a similar concept. Oh, that's right. They, 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 they attack. So everyone attacks gears. The Decepticons attack gears. But all they needed was his personality core. <laughs> so they take his personality out of him. <laughs> And oh yeah, years. and he's like all weird. Yeah, yep, yep. My answer to this is the the two parter um, where the the Decepticons fool everyone into thinking the Autobots are evil. Oh, by dressing up as them and in shooting a video where Optimus is like, I fucking hate all those stinky humans. Yeah, fucking shitheads. And then and then Starstream. T- takes off the head head. it's like was that good was that a good shot and as a result everyone turns on the autobots launches them into space and declares the decepticons the saviors of the world who instantly enslave them what a good fucking show i can't fucking wait for us to get to g1 (laughs) 
Ruby, do you have any familiarity with G1's amazing fucking plans? These are like... No, I'm just kind of... Oh, sorry. I, I, I'm just kind of like sitting here like now, now I'm looking forward to watching G1 because I haven't seen any of this shit. Yeah, no, it's a phenomenal time. Uh, all, I think all of the episodes we just mentioned are in season two. Yes, season two is just so season full of two, shit like this. Season two of Transformers G1 is one of the most batshit series of television that has ever aired. There's this also the one where <laughs> Starscream gets transported back in time right. to Arthurian time. Yeah, and the Decepticon in King Arthur's Court, though, is not like his... It wasn't his intention. We're talking about, like... No. Like, when, when I see this question, what are the most galaxy-brained uh, plan from G1? That's a plan. You know what I mean? Yeah, you gotta you gotta figure out. There's there's so many. Pl- I mean, the funniest one is the like gigantic purple Griffin fortress that pops up for five minutes at the end of one episode with little to no explanation. I mean, if I was going and then gets blown. If up. I was going to say like the most ridiculous episode in general, I'd say Child's Play, but that also wasn't or a plan. B-O- or BOT, yeah. which did have a plan, but that plan. It's like a chaos rune where if you think about it at all, your brain explodes. Yeah. Because <laughs> none of that, none of it makes sense. In Child's Play, um, they get transported uh, to um, a planet where they are toy sized. The scales are off they, the charts. Um, it's and they have to escape this like kid who who's who's like finds them. That episode was also filled with some of the funniest fucking animation errors of oh G1. My God. There's some insane shit. That no clip. Oh, no, baby, you turned a no clip off. No, no. <laughs> yeah, like fucking Starscream no clipping with the wall and shit. Yeah. Um, ah, G1. I love G1. It's, a, it's a beautiful disaster. Um, but that's it for this episode of the podcast. Uh, Ruby, you're a guest, so you get to do your plugs. Oh, yeah, hi. I am Ruby. Uh, I am on Twitter at uh, at Vertic Velvet. Is it at Vertic Hold on. Let me is, I believe yes, it is Vertic Velvet. Yeah, yes. yeah, at Vertic Velvet. I am uh, also one of the hosts on a podcast called Konoha Crush, which I do with my friend Gwen, uh, which is a podcast about watching all of Naruto. You know, talking about the process of like adaptation and like the animation production on that show, and also talking about wanting to destroy the village and the leaves. It's a great time. You know, if you like Naruto, I think we make a show that's like a pretty good, a pretty good listen. Very knowledgeable about anime and what goes into making it and also very funny i'm audrey you can find me on tumblr and twitter at optimum prime that's my funny robot internet joke uh you can also listen to the other podcast i do which is called pot of greed um you can find that on twitter at pot of greed cast it's about Yu-Gi-Oh. we have finished season three of gx and uh we are going on break uh so we're not going to record more about gx until september uh but uh we are going to still be creating content during that time, which you can listen to if you pay us a dollar on our Patreon. Uh, we, we're watching through Fast and Furious. We're going to watch through the new, the newest uh, Minions movie uh, for Grugio. Um, will you all be getting dressed up for that podcast recording? I don't think I will be. It's a non-video. It's a non-visual uh, me- art medium, so... I think I think it would come through. Mm. I, I think like the a suit the, on a podcast. Yeah, yeah the suit energy would really carry through the airwaves. It is ninety five degrees out, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so sure about that one. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're all, we've also been talking about doing um, a podcast for actually reading through the manga um, for bonus content. So that might be something we start doing as well. 
uh, yeah, you should give us a listen. I'm Nero. You can find me on Twitter, at Dragonsmooch, where you can find my various projects in various other places, such as Radio Free Idlin, a show that I do with my friend Jane uh, all about. It is, a, it is a complete companion to Final Fantasy XIV Online. Uh <gasps> The I I couldn't even I, I I forgot the spiel I forgot the line I forgot the free trial bit uh, it just slid out of my brain just plopped right out anyway that's at Hydland Radio uh, we just covered the first three dungeons and we also recorded the episode on the first trial making our way chugging our way through ARR um, a previous project I did with her as well is the uh, the Shira 2018 companion podcast the podcast of power. Uh, you can find that uh, on Twitter at Podcast Power. I'm also on Disney Minus every so often uh, at Disney Minus Pod. Latest episode going up whenever is about Cars, a truly troubling film in terms of its lore uh, and implications. Um, one of the one of the strangest things humanity has ever wrought, I believe, uh, and that is at Disney Minus Pod. Next time, I think we're talking about the Jungle Book. The original, not the live-action remake or pseudo-live-action remake. Um, and of course, us. Why the pod, the show, the podcast? You can find that on Twitter at Prime Cuts Pod, where we are also a member of Noise Space dot X Y Z, a, uh, a a a podcast network where you can find so many shows, such as let's, let's, let me know. Let me actually go to the front page and shout out some 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 new some new ones, right? Some ones we haven't like. I know we have brought up. I know recently. we haven't said LMNOP in a while, and I know they recently updated. So let's talk. But uh, Twink's Awakening got uh, the Island Shuffle, which I guess is over now, but you can still listen to it if you like Lost. Uh, but yeah, that's that's noise space dot x y z. So until next time, I am going to hastily transform rollout and say, come on, it's my birthday. You wouldn't hit a little birthday car, would you? I'm going to uh, find um, uh, a mlem to strike up either a beautiful friendship or a hostile rivalry with and transform and roll out. I am going to uh, fill up a canister full of millennia of Cybertronian hot gossip and launch it into space where no one will ever find it and transform and roll out. <laughs> Peach. 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 Peach.